morning, church. Just feel uh, the presence of the Lord is definitely with us here today, and thanks to the worship team. I just want to lead us, maybe in a time, just a couple of minutes, that we speak the name of Jesus over our lives. Can we do that? Maybe just, you know, pray in just a couple of minutes, just three minutes, whether you're gathered with your families or something. Just come together in prayer and just speak the name of Jesus over any area, over your children, your parents, your friends, your family, even the area of lack. All right, maybe just, just a couple of minutes. Let's just spend some time in prayer. Come, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your name means Savior. Lord, we want to speak your name over every area of our life. Lord, we need you every single day over our careers, our families, our children, our parents, people that we know are struggling with mental health issues depression, worries, anxieties, even health issues, Lord Jesus, we speak your name in this place and we declare that, Lord Jesus, it is only through you we can find wholeness, we can find rest and peace for our souls. Lord Jesus, thank you that we, your people, your children, you're coming back for us and we lift up our eyes to see how good and glorious you are. Keep us firm, Lord, until the day we meet you again. All these are us in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Praise God. I'm always happy to um, you know, share the word of God. Uh, and so today, uh, I'll be speaking on Romans chapter 7. And you saw the passage just now. And uh, I think it's going to be a pretty relatable sermon. Why? Because the passage itself describes pretty much the human condition. And in fact, it's going to answer quite and I would say one of the very key questions that Christians, we often might pop into our minds. And I think uh, the Word of God is pretty clear, and uh, especially in Romans, written by Apostle Paul. Today we're going to learn the truth about our human condition. You see, we are all walking contradictions. Okay? We are saved and righteous by the Lord Jesus Christ, but not yet. You know, So it's like we are waiting for the day when everything is put right again when Jesus comes back. But right now, I think as Christians, we must know how to, you know, accept the way that we are. It's like we are saved and righteous and, you know, in, the, in Christ, 
But at the same time, we also have our flesh. In other words, things we struggle with sin every other day. We are still not perfect, so to speak. But I would say today, a high-level overview is that let's not let our fleshly weaknesses uh, threaten our security and diminish or make small our identity in Christ or even allow false beliefs to arise within you. And that is my hope and objective for today's sermon. Okay? And I believe that, you no know, Christians, we know the truth. Amen? The Word of God is truth for all eternity. And knowing the truth will definitely set us free. And I believe that today as we speak, look into the Word of God, I believe that the truth will definitely come into our hearts and the Holy Spirit will begin to minister and draw us close uh, to Jesus. Amen. So anyway, everything leading up to today's uh, passage in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, all the way to the end, uh, everything leading up in Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 and a half, okay, is, uh, is key to understanding what is actually being taught. If, if we take this totally out of context and read it on its own, we will start to generate very uh, interesting uh, perceptions about our Christian faith. Okay, so if you would indulge me, I, in fact, actually, I indulge all of us. Uh, this is a quick summary you see on the slide here uh, of what happened from Romans chapter 1 down to 7 and 14. Of course, this is not all the details, but I try to pick up the key pointers which I think would uh, help with us understand this sermon for today. So firstly, Romans chapter 1 and I halfway through 2 talks about how all of us humans are sinful and we have absolutely no excuse. Okay? And then the next thing is that, however, God's judgment, God's judgment is righteous and he will judge sins one day. Alright? That's when he comes again. Righteousness, however, comes through faith in Jesus Christ only okay it's exclusive it is not through anything that we do it is not through our good works it is not through our merits it's nothing to do with whether we donate how much money or not okay no it is only through faith in jesus christ and what he did on the cross for us okay and when we believe in him our sins are forgiven okay so because of what jesus did for us fourth point is that all believers have peace with god okay and we are reconciled to him then Romans chapter 6, I think Pastor Kaful mentioned this, spoke about this. We are now, therefore, for the believers in Christ, we are dead to sin and we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we are dead to sin, alright, and now we are alive to God. What does that mean? It means that therefore now we are not slaves to sin, means we are not part of sin anymore. We are now slaves to righteousness. We belong to the realm, so to speak, of righteousness, which of course leads to eternal life. Y'all follow so far? Quite heavy, but this is a quick summary of what we have. Okay, so we drop down to the next slide. I just want to share with us that I believe, in fact, I, I think psychology has it, that beliefs shape our actions. What you believe about yourself shapes your actions. I'll share this quick story is that, uh, you know, in work, I, I mean, sometime last year I was in a way, promoted from being a senior uh, auditor into a manager. So the role is completely different, okay? It, as, a, as a manager, you require different skill sets, different roles to do, I mean, things and stuff like that, which I was not used to do. But I like it that my boss, she was very wise, and she basically coached me in a way. Was I the best manager? Answer is no. 
But she will ask me, you are, she will say things like, you are now a manager, you have to do it, act like one. You know what I'm saying? And it's not as if I was perfect, but that coaching was basically shaping my belief, and after that, the belief shaped my actions. You understand what I'm saying, right? So our beliefs shape our actions. So I bring you back into our spiritual life. What we believe about ourselves as Christians inevitably shapes how we act and how we live. So just key points here is that firstly, we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. That means sin, it, at least in the spiritual world, is not part of us anymore. Do you believe that? Alright, nextly, next thing is that we have a new identity in Christ. We belong to eternity. Amen. And lastly, because of that, we are slaves to righteousness. If we read uh, Romans chapter 7, uh, chapter 6, the second half, it will actually tell us that there's actually two ends of the spectrum. Okay, firstly, you're either a slave to sin, means you're stuck in sin, or you are a slave to righteousness. You follow? So because you are dead to sin, you have given up the old way, it's like you gave up your old citizenship, now you belong to a new kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness. So righteousness applies to us. Therefore, with all these beliefs and understanding of the truth about who we are in Christ, it leads us to our actions, which is we desire to have righteous living. We want to live out the righteousness of God. We want to follow what Jesus has commanded us. Amen. Y'all follow the thing? So because our beliefs are shaped by our actions, Paul says that we are either slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to righteousness, which leads to sanctification and eternal life. Okay? So this is the main thing. So now, I will go into our passage for today. I have three points for you. The first point is that we are all caught up in a huge war within. We are all caught up in a huge war within. You drop down the next slide. I give you a... Now, first thing is that today's passage tells us that we need to, in some way, distinguish between the spirit from the flesh. Okay? All of us, we need to learn how to distinguish the spirit from the flesh. What do I mean? You go next slide. You see, all of us look like this. We have a righteous spirit for the believers. Amen? Right? We're redeeming Christ. So Christ... Uh, the divine exchange, right? He's, he gave us his righteous soul. And so we are all righteous spirit. However, we are all stuck in a sinful body. And I believe all of us understand this phenomenon, right? You know, so, so this is where we all like, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like that good. Okay? So the, the, the words here are being used, the righteous spirit is talking about the spirit, okay? And then the sinful body, you will use interchangeably, interchangeably with the words flesh, Okay, so because of this phenomenon that we all exist in, there is a war within. See, we are all stuck in the middle. We are like walking contradictions. Remember I mentioned at the start. So we are all stuck in the middle. There's a part of us, you know, because our spirit has been reborn in Christ, right? We believe, I believe all of us here, amen, we want to do what is right and good and life-giving, amen. So that's the left side of the screen. However, we are still stuck in our fleshly body where there is sin. Yeah? And so that is also a part where somehow we will do things that we don't want to do. Right? Because what you want to do is the good stuff. Okay? So we drop down. Next slide. So therefore, I know that Christians, especially here in Church of the Good Shepherd, we desire to live out our righteous identity. Amen. Right? We want to. That is our desire. 
Okay, we want to live out the commandments of Jesus. Why? Because we are not slaves to righteousness. We are all slaves to righteousness, our renewed mind and calling, and it is who we are. Okay? However, we all have the desire to do good, but the problem is that not all the time we have the strength to carry it out. In Mandarin, there is a very nice proverb that says, Sing you yu early putsu. Means your heart has the intention, but you don't have the ability to carry it out. That's what it means. Okay, and I, I believe all of us here understand how that feels, especially as a Christian. So we will go down into the text now, and that's where I show you what Apostle Paul is writing. So we go down to Romans chapter 7, verse 15, and it says this For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. So what does he what do we want to do as Christians? We want to do the righteous things. However, but I do the very thing I hate, which is I sin. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So that's why he's saying we are in for some reason, even Apostle Paul cannot understand his own actions. What more us, right? We want to do the good thing, but we end up doing the bad thing. Very funny. But but this is the human condition that he's describing. You go next slide. But he, in a way, concludes, and in fact, he repeats this twice again. He says, so now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin sin that dwells within me. He is distinguishing between his spirit and his flesh. Y'all follow? Okay, you go next slide. Then he continues in verse 18, it says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. So that's the sinful part. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. How many of us can relate to that? Don't raise your hand. Okay, next slide. Because then he, he, he shows the Comparison and say, for I have the desire to do what is right, and that's all of us. Amen. Ah, this one can raise hand. Okay, but then you don't have the ability to carry it out. I do not do the good I want. And this is the the the, the dilemma or, or whatever, irony, paradox, contradiction, all these different words used to describe us as Christians. And it's just the way that we all are at this point in time. Okay, everything obviously will be restored when Christ comes again. So and then he concludes a second time in verse 20. I didn't copy and paste, okay. I did from the, okay. But if I do what I do not want, that is my sin, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. What a powerful passage. In fact, I would say it's one of the most applicable and relatable passages in all of the New Testament. It's basically affirming how we feel as Christians. Definitely, I feel relatable. I feel that I relate so much to this. I try to do the good things. Oh, I mess up. Even sometimes you do the right thing, you thought you did the right thing, but then it wasn't beneficial. You know what I'm saying? So this is how it feels as a Christian. But I like how Apostle Paul says that, you know, back, you go back, that it is not I, but a sin that dwells within me. We go down further to verse 21. So I find it that a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. I delight in the law of God in my spirit, right, in my inner being. But I see in my members, meaning my flesh, another law, and it wages war against the law of my mind, which is in the spirit, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So you all see the war and the 
push and pull and the tug of war within us. And this is basically he spent how many verses? 15 to 23. Eight verses to describe to us what the human condition is. So this passage is for the believers that struggle with sin and not being at peace because you constantly doubt your right standing with God or you feel insecure about your transformation in Christ. How come uh, I now believe in God? Then suddenly I, I never change. I, don't, I still struggle with addictions. I still struggle with my pride, my, my anger management issues. I still struggle with you know, my vulgarities and things like that. Right? This is, word is for you, is that where you are rightly dividing your flesh from the spirit and that all these things that are still in you because your spirit is transformed, it is not you but your flesh, your follow. So when you sin, Paul says that it is not you but the sin that dwells within you. Now before you all start to throw rocks at me and say that I'm giving you license to sin, okay, now, I just want to have a disclaimer here and that I, I know that there are Christians, for some reason, they still intentionally sin, purposely sin. Then, I would say Romans chapter 7, verse 15 to 25 is not for you. It's not for you. In fact, the word for people that don't understand what you want to do is the good things and you purposely want to do the bad things, the word for you is in Romans chapter 6. Because then you need to dwell upon the the, the teaching that you are dead to sin, and so your desire should not be to sin. Cognitively, you shouldn't intentionally go and sin. Because when you do that, you're, uh, you're essentially abusing your identity in Christ. You're follow. Because why? When you are in Christ, your desire is to do what Jesus says, what the Word of God says. In fact, in above Romans chapter 7, it says you, you desire to love the law of God. You're follow. So, if you struggle in the area that uh, I, I still purposely want to sin, chapter 6 is for you. But for those that earnestly, and I believe all of us Christians born again, our earnest desire, we want to please the Lord, but somehow we still mess up big time. And for some funny reason that I do not understand, now chapter 7 is for you. It is an affirming passage, at least when I read it. Don't let your flesh discredit your standing in Christ Jesus. Because Apostle Paul has distinguished between your sinful flesh and your redeemed spirit. Amen. You, you understand the distinction? Okay, so however, this does not mean uh, we deny our responsibility as walking contradictions, as sinners, okay? It's important to own it. It is far from it. As we sin, we are acting against our nature as a new creation in Christ Jesus. However, we own up to our sin. Okay? But we must know that the impulse to sin does not come from your real identity in Christ. You understand that? So don't let the, um, the, the mishmash and mix-up of our sinful nature versus our redeemed and righteous spirit shake your identity in Christ. Okay, and these are for the earnest believers. We want to do what is right, but we are unable to do it. And I love it that Apostle Paul, after going through all this, he concludes with essentially a loud cry of distress. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because that's the only logical conclusion. I don't like the way that I am. Christians, we don't like our sinful flesh, do we? 
How we wish we could do the right thing at every point in time. Literally a cry of distress. You feel helpless, unable to overcome something. But the war has been won. I say the war has been won. Amen. Next slide. Because, wonderful, just one sentence to counter the entire eight verses. Apostle Paul writes, But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who will deliver me from this wretched body of death. Thanks be to God, it is through Jesus Christ our Lord that I am delivered from this wretched man that I am. Amen. And so there is hope. There is hope. We are delivered from this wretched body. So you know the truth of God. It sets you free. Now some of us might feel maybe along the way that this has started to become muddy. You start to doubt. You come to church on Sunday, we say the confession prayer, we go home, oh, the moment you walk out, you do something wrong. Does God still like me? Today's passage brings you that security and lifts that burden off, I hope and I pray. Because it is not you who sin, right? It is your flesh. Your follow, okay? Now, parents of newborns will totally understand this, right? You see, when the 11, they do not feel disappointed or upset when an 11-month-year-old toddler tries to walk and takes a tumble, take two steps and tumble on the floor. In fact, the parents, I don't know about you, but I think they feel excited, right, that the child is actually trying to walk. Can they walk? No, not yet. But will they walk eventually? Yes, when the time is right. And such is our relationship with God. He is pleased when we try to walk. When we tumble, you know, eh, eventually, will you get there? Yes, if you keep trying. So don't give up. You're trying to overcome addiction. You're trying to overcome a stumbling piece in your life, something that Pastor Kavon mentioned, it's called skeletons in your closet. You're trying to overcome these things and all of us have that. No one can stand even at the pulpit and say that we don't have some secrets that we don't want people to know. However, we try. We keep trying to overcome all this. Why? Because we love our Lord Jesus. Amen. So the final word that I want to say to you is then, do not withdraw from the battle. Don't cower in defeat because the war has already been won. Do not withdraw from the battle. And I will even go as far to say as, do not withdraw from God. Don't let your struggle with sin, the inner battle in your mind, pull you apart from our Lord and Savior Jesus. You go next slide. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the verse says this, right? Draw near the throne of grace, okay, where you can find, receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And the context of this verse was written when describing how Jesus is our great high priest, in a sense, our representative in the courtroom of heaven, okay? And so when we fall and stumble and we struggle, in fact, we fall into temptation in our redeemed state, we can turn to God and come to Him and find grace and ask Him for help. You see, the enemy wants to kill. His modus operandi means his mode of operation are three things. If he cannot kill, he will steal. If he cannot steal, he will destroy. People call him the father of lies. Now, the evil one wants to come 
And when we tumble and fall, and he loves it when we do that, when that happens to us, he will come and whisper into your ear maybe. He say, are you sure you're good enough? You sure God loves you? Who told you God loves you? Can you go to church? Are you able to lift your hands? Who made you able to worship him? Your soul, imperfect. and dirty. He wants to say these kind of things to you because his job is very simple. Stop you from finding God. Stop you from relying on God. Don't let you draw near to pull you away from God. It's a very simple task for him. Okay? In fact, when we struggle with sin, it is also very natural to pull away from what is holy. However, when you understand some truths about who we are in Jesus, I believe it will also transform your actions. Let me share with you the CV of Jesus Christ for all the HR recruiters out there. This is his LinkedIn profile. I took it off uh, LinkedIn.com. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. He's the lover of sinners. This is his resume. He only got one certificate. He's righteous living on earth. He aced it. Perfect score. Five upon five. He passed with distinction. Okay. His skills are that his blood forgives all sins. He's not afraid of sinners. He's very good at performing miracles. You see, Jesus is not afraid of sin. He does not pull away from the dirty. Do you recall last week's sermon where Jesus was actually the one to reach out to Zacchaeus and you see what a wonderful transformation that happened when Jesus spent time with him. Jesus does not shun away from sin. In fact, he goes straight in and he transforms the thing with his holiness. His holiness cannot be overcome by sin. Amen. And we saw that when he came onto earth. Jesus wants you in all your weaknesses, your struggling, your dirtiness. There is grace, and in that grace, there is an encounter. And you will be transformed bit by bit, daily, day by day, when you spend time with our Lord and Savior Jesus, because it's altogether lovely and beautiful. And when you spend time with someone like that, it's quite difficult to not <laughs> be lovely, right? There is no sin too big for the cross of our Lord Jesus. We do not stand righteous before God based on how much we beat ourselves up, how much we confess, how many times we do that. We can only stand because Jesus stands between us and God. That is the only reason why we can stand. Make no double question about that. Because Jesus stands between us and the Father. When the, fa when the Father looks at us, He sees the righteousness of Jesus. So don't underestimate the cross of Jesus. There's no sin too big for the cross. Amen. You see, the bigger the struggle, the more you need Jesus. So don't withdraw. Don't run away. Don't let the feeling of guilt pull you away from our Lord. I cannot finish Romans chapter 7, verse 25 without going to 8, verse 1. Because it starts with the word, therefore. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we have a whole passage where we talk about the struggle with sin, but after that, through our Lord Jesus, there is no condemnation. So isn't this a call for us to draw near? Say, hey, come. 
I will help you. And you read further down Romans chapter 8, it talks about how the Spirit is the one that empowers us and gives us the ability and He prays on our behalf. And then it concludes by saying, nothing can take us away from the love of God. Now, there's no time to go through that today, eh? Okay, unless you want to spend another hour or so. All right. But the thing is this, that there is help and hope and there's power not within our flesh, but in our spirit. And we will learn that the Holy Spirit is the one that is giving us the strength to overcome. Amen. And, and so God don't leave us alone. Okay? So, I just want to wrap up and say, do you understand your identity in Christ? You see, struggles with sin will come. And uh, today, after today, hopefully you understand that there is a flesh that is waging war against us. However, this war does not threaten your position in the kingdom. Okay? And I conclude with the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Yoke is what they put on the cows when they plow the field and it's heavy, right? And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This verse is not talking about physical rest. It can be sometimes, but sometimes people use it. But actually, it's talking about rest for your souls. But rest from what? Rest from striving. Rest from worrying that you are not good enough. Rest from being feeling insecure that somehow God is not pleased with me. When you come to Jesus, you have full security that God is pleased with you because God is pleased with Christ. Amen. And that's why we lift and speak the name of Jesus. In Christ, you are definitely good enough because Jesus was good enough. So you have to cling on to Jesus, okay? If, if there's anything you want to leave today with, cling on to Jesus, especially when you struggle the most. Okay, don't let go. Now, you go to the next slide. Now, why is this talking about sin? Because in another portion in Matthew chapter 23, he was debating, Jesus was debating with the Pharisees and they were actually going around putting additional burdens on the people. So burdening them with more rules and more requirements for them to come before God. They were creating more barriers, so to speak. So Jesus was debating and tell them, that you are hypocrites, you know. And then he concludes by saying this, and then these people, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and throw them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So that's why I would say it's talking about how the Pharisees are throwing more and more things on people. They're burdening, burdening the people and causing distance between God and man. But Jesus said, hey, come to me. I will give you rest, for my yoke is light. Amen. We, let's end. This word is already speaking to some of us, and I believe that the Holy Spirit has helped some of us clarify some of the doubts and perhaps lies that might have been whispered into your ears try to cause you this distance and create distance and the gap between you and God, even though you're already a believer in Christ. Now, today I pray that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and released some chains or questions that you've had to discredit you and discredit the cross of Jesus that has already taken been in your life. So you look to Jesus every day and he will point you to the right direction. Every head bow, every eye closed, I just want to pray for all of us. I think the Lord is speaking to those especially that have felt burdened and weary, confused, question your standing in God. You want to do something. 
you want to do what you, the right things, but somehow you stumble and you fall. And then you worry. Does God like me? The Holy Spirit is speaking and He just wants to remove all these chains and barrier that you might come to Jesus with confidence for help. So if that is you, just take this time and feel the weight that has been on your shoulders just, just fall off. See, the Word of God is powerful. It is true. And it's all about how, he, how much He loves you and what Christ did for you. Just feel that release. Lord Jesus, we come before you today as your people. Thank you that your word brings life. I thank you that your word is strong and powerful and it reveals unto us your heart. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, anyone that has a chain that has been blocking their relationship with you, let it break today, Lord. Let these lies break in the name of Jesus, that there will be a close and flourishing relationship with you, that we might draw near to you, Lord Jesus, in our help, in our time of need, that we might find relationship with you and not let anything block us. And Father, I pray, all of us, give us the strength, O Lord, let your Spirit just fill us more and more each day that we might overcome. Lord, we want to do the things that we want to do and not the things that we do not want to do. Give us the power by your Spirit to overcome our flesh. Lord Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. We wait eagerly for you to come back again for us where all things will be put right. But in the meantime, Father, we thank you that your Spirit lives within us and you give us the strength for each new day. We praise you and we speak the name of Jesus over our lives. All this I ask in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say, Amen.